Welcome to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. You know, Intentional Conversations is generally a men's ministry leader interviewing leaders in men's ministry, introducing you to other men's leaders who can uh, help you to invest into your men's lives in your local church. Today, though, we are deviating that from that a little bit. We're going to interview two guys today on the program that is directly involved in the Ukrainian situation, uh, one dealing directly with the relief area effort, and the other is a pastor who is in Ukraine. And so I hope you will take time to seriously listen to this and listen to ways that you can help the Ukrainian people during this time of difficulty in their country, as many of them flee uh, from Ukraine seeking relief and needing help even within their country. So uh, pray that you will uh, listen intently, like I said, and take this seriously. Thank you and God bless you. And now let's listen to the conversations I've recently had. Well, for the last month, we've been watching what is happening in the in Ukraine. Ukraine has been invaded by an army that is devastating their country and displacing their people. It is reported that we are seeing the largest refugee crisis in Europe since World War II. Millions of people have had to leave their homes for fear of attack of their homes or their homes have been destroyed due to the shelling and bombing. On this podcast, we generally speak to men's leaders about subject matters to help men reach the men in our churches and communities for Christ. However, today we're going to deviate from that to discuss uh, with a friend in ministry who has just returned from Poland where he had an opportunity to see firsthand what is happening. Today I have Tom Bean with me. He's with the North Carolina Baptist on Mission Disaster Relief. He's the coordinator for that organization, and he will be discussing with us what we can do to help people of Ukraine that has left home to escape the war and seeking refuge in the Poland area. So, Tom, thank you for being with me. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm glad to be here with you. Well, Tom, you know, I told the people that you uh, you primarily work in disaster relief, which you, we know that you do a lot of things. I've worked closely with you and stuff like with uh, um, hurricane relief and tornado reliefs in the States. But now we have an opportunity to go over into Eastern Europe and help the people of Ukraine that's that's kind of leaving their country and, and leaving everything behind. Whereabouts where did whereabouts did you go into Poland to kind of see what's happening? And how long were you over there? So Mike, I led a team of six people uh, to Poland. Uh, we arrived in Poland on March the fifth, and we came out of Poland on March fourteenth. So ten days in country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started in Warsaw. Uh, and then we traveled around the central and eastern parts of the country. Okay, and and were you? I mean, were you right up against the border? Where 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 are most of these refugees refugees going? Are they are they like right at the border? Or are they infiltrating into the country of Poland? I mean, give us give us a vision of what you saw there. So there's a few different areas where uh, the refugees are coming through. They're coming across. The borders, there's about 12 different border crossings uh, between uh, Ukraine and Poland. So they're coming by foot, by car, but they're also uh, coming into train stations in the larger cities like Krakow and Warsaw. Uh, They're coming by buses into those larger cities. They're coming by sometimes uh, airplanes into those cities. So if they if they come in across the border by car or by foot or by bus, then they are dis- distributed out 
amongst the whole country or even in surrounding countries um, all over Europe, um, uh, some to the United States, but not a lot yet. Uh, and then some down in um, just really all over Europe. And so they, the ones we saw, we were at the border at Helm mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's the Ukrainian city closest to Helm would be Lviv, uh, which has seen just one or two kind of uh, attacks there. You know, mostly the attacks are going on uh, in Kiev um, and then some of the coastal uh, towns there. But Lviv is the closest one to Helm. Uh, we saw uh, buses packed with people come across the border. We saw cars. Uh, we saw people walking across the border. It was about six people every minute that were walking across the border. And that doesn't count the buses and the cars and the trains. Um, but there was a large contingent of Polish people helping. They were cooking hot meals. They were uh, having charging stations for phones. Hmm. There was There's two businesses that are right on the other side of the border in Poland. And those businesses had power strips plugged into all of their outlets we're letting people charge their phones and get warm in the heat because the day I was there, it was about 28 degrees was the high. Wow. The wind was strong and it's this cold, cold, biting cold weather on that day that I was there. And so it was really nice to see the people of Poland just really stepping up to do all they could to help people in need. Well, that's, that's my, and, and I imagine most of these, uh, people that's coming in from Ukraine from these areas, they're not, they're coming in with not much more than what the clothes on their back. Are they carrying a suitcase, rolling a larger suitcase, carrying a backpack was pretty much, uh, oftentimes a, a pet in a carrying case. Mm. Uh, they may have their pet with them. Um, some were coming across the border being greeted by family who were already living in Poland. Right. Uh, most of the ones by foot, uh, were coming in wondering where am I going to be able to go to find, you know, a place to sleep, uh, to eat for my kids to be safe. Well, where are they going? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we're probably talking about, uh, two, three, four million people. That's, 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 that's migrating over into the, not just Poland, but over into Hungary and Slovakia uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and those other countries. So what, what are they doing with the people as they come over if they don't have a family. So there's 2 million that have come across the Polish border uh -huh. um, up to this point. And they're trying to distribute them out into all the cities and towns all across Poland. Uh, they're, they're saying Warsaw is full. Krakow is full. Gdansk is full. The larger cities in Poland are full. Uh, we visited one small town the pastor of the church there said, we're not a transient area. If a refugee comes here, they're seeking more of a permanent place to live because it's not, it's off the beaten path. It's not, mm. there's no transit that goes through that city. Like Warsaw, it's easy to just pass through. Mm -hmm. But if you go to uh, this little town called Zello, it's not even on a major highway. You, it's sort of like the road ends at that town. And so they're expecting 20 refugees, four or five families that'll come there to stay in this church. And it's not transit. They're not going anywhere else. They're going to make that their home 
until wow. they find a place for their children to go to school. They find work. Uh, Poland has now said that uh, they have a, uh, so many months, 18 months, I believe it is, where they can get an ID number. It's like a social security number. Right. Uh, and uh, they can live and work for 18 months. And so uh, a lot of them are staying in Poland, but then they're, they're spreading out all over, all over Europe uh, and other countries. Well, what do these people need? I mean, uh, I know the Polish people are trying to help as much as they possibly can. You've really shared with us that they're, they, they seem to really be accepting these people, uh, understanding their plight. Um, but what do they need? How, how, can, how can people help, I should say? So uh, I'll, I'll talk about a few different things. You know, uh, you mentioned in my introduction that I work for North Carolina Baptist on Mission. And we are focusing on a few different areas uh, as it pertains to uh, Ukrainian refugees. One of those is we already had a partnership uh, that was based out of Budapest, Hungary. And Hungary is also on a border. And so we had volunteers days after the war started. We had volunteers going into Budapest and then serving in a warehouse, serving in ministry on the border, doing things with children in the hungry area. So we, we've had teams there for, uh, we're on our second week or third week of teams uh, there. That's going on. We also have partnered with a ministry group in Germany that is able to get food into Ukraine. And so uh, we're able to buy the flour, the sausage, it's called sausage paste, it's in a jar. They call it cake. I don't think it's a piece of birthday cake, you know, but it's <laughs> it's it's bread, sausage, and cake, uh, yeah. and that is being sent into Ukraine. The bread's being baked in Ukraine, about four thousand loaves a week, uh, and we we purchase twenty tons of flour. So, a ton of flour will do four thousand loaves. So, uh, we're going to be able to do about twenty thousand loaves of or lots more. Twenty tons that's what we bought. Was it 80,000 loaves of bread, if my math is correct? Sorry, I'm thinking off the fly here. Yeah. So all of that is going into Ukraine. And so those kinds of things are important for people to know because our team members, the ones that are going to Hungary, the ones that are getting ready to go to Poland, they're basically paying their own way. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a few administrative costs over there with coordinators and vans and things like that. But they're pretty much paying paying those expenses, their airline tickets, their lodging meals. But if we really want to impact people, if we really want to help the people of Ukraine, then our teams are undergirding those local organizations and those local churches in Hungary and Poland to assist them. It's whatever they need us to do because they're doing a great job. So we're just going in alongside them to help them, to encourage them, to help give their volunteers a break and those kinds of things. But if we really want to make an impact, the money that we're sending to put food into Ukraine and also food helping feed the refugees in the places that we work in Poland and Hungary, those, those are making huge, huge differences already. Right. Um, because in some of those cities and towns in Ukraine, you know, everything is destroyed. The markets, the malls, 
the stores, the electricity is gone. And so if we can get food to the people who, because there are more people displaced in Ukraine than there are that have left Ukraine. The estimates are up to 10 million people are either displaced or have left. Well, if that's, if the news about 3 million people leaving Ukraine is correct, that means 7 million people in Ukraine are displaced mm. and they're, they're still in the country. And mm. so, you know, our goal is to help those refugees that are moving outside the country, but we're also trying to get help to people who have no option but to stay in country. And right. so that's, that's what we've been involved in um, really since the war started. What is the biggest need for the people right now? So I, I would say um, what we're seeing and what our teams are going to be doing, the biggest need is to encourage them to uh, help them care for their children while they're making decisions about where they're going to go or what kind of job they're going to get or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's to... Uh, offer any kind of counseling, not professional um, psychologist, psychiatrist type counseling, but uh, trauma, uh, those kinds of things. We've got chaplains that are going. And so it's just to let, really just to let somebody have someone to talk to. Yeah. With no, with no medical training. I'm not talking about that, that kind of counseling that's so important. I'm just talking about being a vo uh, being an ear that somebody can voice right. whatever is going on in their life, right. um, and that that will just be there for them to encourage Somebody's, them, support yes. them, that kind of thing. Somebody to give them a shoulder to cry on, so absolutely, to speak. Yeah. absolutely, <clears throat> and yeah, just share share what's going on in their lives right now, and being right. able to just kind of express themselves at this point. That's what they need right, right now. Yeah, so. You know, I, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about. It. I know they're. I know you're hearing it up in your area, and um, I'm sure the news media's been covering it. And I know we've been hearing it down in this area, where a lot of, a lot of people in churches are trying to gather together clothes and baby supplies and van loads of equipment to have shipped over there. Is that the right thing to do? The idea is right. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, that is an extremely difficult thing to do because it's such a long way. Mm -hmm. You're talking about air freight or ocean freight. Mm -hmm. And and there's already supply issues with air and ocean travel, mm -hmm. just with goods transfer. So Poland has a lot of the same things in Poland that are available to buy to ship right across the border and a lot of times even cheaper prices than what we do here in the States. So if someone pays prices that it costs in the States and then they have to pay to ship it, mm -hmm. then you've spent more money than, than if you just buy in Hungary or Poland there, the stock of goods there is just as good even though it's limited because of the pandemic, like we've seen everywhere, right. it's just as good there as it is here in the States. One of the other things that, that I haven't mentioned is you, you talked about baby items, baby food. We, we purchased pallets and pallets of baby food that is being used in the ministries in Poland and Hungary, but also going across the border into Ukraine. Mm. Um, Cause it's just better to buy it there. 
Uh, and one great thing about Baptist on Mission is that any donation that comes into our office, 100% of that goes to that event. Not, not our salaries, not our office costs, not our administrative costs, none of that. If somebody says, I want a hundred, if I'm giving a hundred dollars for baby food, a hundred dollars is going to go to buy baby food. Yeah, if they man. say we've got a thousand dollars to buy uh, flour and sausage paste and cake, then a thousand dollars is going to go to that. Uh, 100% absolutely for sure. Uh, as you know, cause you've worked with this organization for such a long time, but we, we, we think that it's better to send money so that we can put it into those partners that we know that are going to get it in the right place. And like I say, 100% of that does, um, we don't spend it on us. Yeah. And you know, you were making a comment about having to pay shipping costs. I don't think a lot of people recognize or realize that I was, I was listening to a news uh, report uh, here just recently within the last day or two, they were talking about um, a year or two ago about, probably maybe it was pre COVID uh, pandemic that it was costing about uh, $1,200 to ship uh, a 20 foot container across the ocean. Uh, now there you're looking at 10 to $12,000 to ship a container across the ocean. That is correct. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it is very expensive to get them over there. And the, and the, time frame of them being uh, being able to be shipped is greatly increased just think about us here in the states uh we're seeing we're seeing some of our own grocery shelves being being bare because they can't get the food shipped in here uh and too places and so you can imagine what it's like being trying to get it shipped over to a, a, another country to help yeah, out they, in this crisis you know we've got lots of teams that are going and so people in churches also say well i'll make this or i'll collect this and you all can just take it when you go but but that's difficult too because one we have a lot of people going but we don't have that many people going that it really affects positively someone when they get there yeah. and the other thing is our teams are taking children's supplies and their own clothes and things for missionaries and things for the refugees that they're working at. Peanut butter is heavy, but you know, they love peanut butter. So some of our teams are taking peanut butter. So we really don't have room to take things that churches have collected either. It's not that the idea is bad. The idea is great. Oh, no. oh, absolutely. It's just that you got to think through the idea further down the line than just, I want to do this. Absolutely. The money is really the best way to go. Absolutely. 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 It's not to say you won't take it and try to use it, but, but the chances of it being so much of that, so much of the material stuff that we give end up um, not being used. We'll oh, yeah. say it that way, not being used because of, uh, of that uh, difficulty of getting it to where it needs to be. And then when you, and even when you do get it there, how do you distribute it? How do you distribute it? And so just a, a case in point, uh, almost four years ago when Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina, everybody donated bottled water. Mm -hmm. And we had 18 tractor trailer loads of bottled water left mm -hmm. after we were serving the people in need. Mm -hmm. 18 tractor trailer loads of water left. Mm -hmm. Now it took, it took people 
months and months of work time to find a place to put all that water. Yeah. And so it's just everybody's such a giving heart, which is great, but you have to manage that donation. And it's very difficult sometimes to manage it. Well, you know, I couldn't help, I can't help but think of the scripture, you know, when, when um, Paul was headed back to Jerusalem, uh, that the people in Macedonia uh, gave him money to, to take to, to Jerusalem. They didn't give him necessary provisions because he mm -hmm. knew how, how that money would probably be better useful for them over there and how they could, how they can uh, uh, utilize it yeah. when he got back to Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, Tom, I appreciate you uh, being coming on and being with us. How can people give to the Ukrainian relief effort? So we have a couple uh, real easy ways. One, um, they can go to the baptistonmission.org website, click on the Ukraine crisis banner, and then there's a donate tab. Uh, they can call our office in Cary, give over the phone with a credit card. They can mail a check to the address at the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. Just make sure they memo line Ukraine crisis. And, and we just make it easy, as easy as we possibly can. Uh, but for any questions, they can call our office and, and our, our staff will be glad to help them. Yeah. And just to reiterate the fact, every cent that you give, none of it's taken out for admin costs. Every bit of it goes to the relief effort. 100%. Yeah. yeah. All of our salaries and everything come from a different offering and a different budget. Anything that anybody gives goes directly to helping Ukraine. Absolutely. Amen. 100%. Amen. Well, Tom, I appreciate you being on today. And uh, uh, you and I, I know, will be talking. In fact, we'll be, we'll be probably together this weekend at, a, at a conference. At yep. a conference that you and I have to be at this weekend. Yep. And uh, we'll be hearing more about that. And I will mm -hmm. be, hopefully, I'll be sharing more of what I learned this coming weekend about how we can help. Uh, you know, on this on future podcast because there's a great need out there in the Ukrainian area and the Poland Eastern Europe area that we uh, will probably be dealing with for quite some time now and uh, and so uh, you got any last thoughts that you might want to share Tom? I, I'm just very appreciative of the opportunity I've been to Eastern Europe before but I had never been to Poland um, and I was just blown away by the hospitality that the Polish people were showing to their Ukrainian uh, neighbors. It was unreal. Every Everyone in that country is pitching in to help, opening their homes uh, free, giving people rooms, feeding them, volunteering at churches. It, it was amazing. And so I'm very appreciative that we can share that story uh, with people here uh, that are listening to this podcast. It's It's really good for people to hear. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Tom. Tom, I appreciate you being on, and and uh, stay tuned for on intentional conversation with Mike Salen. We're going to take a little break here, and then we will be back with uh, with another guest, still talking about the Ukrainian situation. God bless you, and we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Hey, man, this is Mike Salen with K for Your Men. One of the things I want to share with you today is the battle for men's souls. When you look at scripture, especially when you're looking in Ephesians chapter 6, you see that we are told to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And verse 11 tells us we're to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, as 
men in a battle, if you were in the military, you would be training almost every day. You'd be in some kind of a study session, you'd be training on how to use your weapons, you'd be training on how to, uh, to maneuver, you'd be listening to people who's been there and teaching you and uh, sharing their experiences to you. They would be preparing you every day. So when you are truly put into a situation where you have got to put your training in action, it becomes second nature to you. You know, when we think about uh, the army of God, we should be the same way. We should be training every day so that when God puts us in a position for us to serve, we are ready and it becomes second nature. So you need to be in the Word of God every day. You need to be praying every day. You need to have men in your life who speak in truth in your life, discipling and mentoring you in preparation for that day when God puts you in the battle for men's souls. So men, Army of God, I encourage you, get into the Word, spend time in prayer. And if you need help with that, reach out to us at kfearmen.net and we can help you do that, help you to train your men in your local churches to be ready for the battle for men's souls. Well, welcome back to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. We're talking about the situation in Ukraine and how can we help the people of Ukraine uh, today with many of the refugees that are coming out of Ukraine. If you know, the first half hour, we talked to Tom Bain, uh, who just came back from Poland, being there uh, at the border with Ukraine and working with the people that are, are come leave, having to leave their homes, having to leave their homes because they're either being uh, destroyed or just for fear of their life and coming in and how uh, we can help those at the border. But now I want to shift gears a little bit, and we've got a special guest. We've got uh, Ruslan on on with us. Uh, Ruslan is a pastor, a Ukrainian pastor, who happens to be in the States right now. And uh, I just want to welcome him onto the uh, podcast, and, and uh, let's just spend some time speaking with him as he understands, obviously, the Ukrainian people and their needs and their situation. Welcome, Ruslan. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Hello to everyone. Yeah, good. Ruslan, I, 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 how about sharing a little bit about you? I, I said that you are a pastor in, in Ukraine. What about, where, where are you pastoring at in Ukraine? And, and what, do you, what do you do as a pastor there in the country? So I'm 47 years old. I have a family, wife named Olga, and three children. Uh, a boy, Bogdan, 20 years old, middle uh, boy Max, uh, 17, and the youngest daughter, Christina, 12 years old. So I'm one of the associate pastors in the First Baptist Church of Zhitomir. It's a city which is situated two hours to the west from Kiev on the main road. Its population is about 300,000 people. And also I'm responsible for the organization called International Revival Mission that does, that does mainly ministry work in the rural area to the southwest from Zhitomir city. So we are helping about 20 village churches and pastors in their 
town and village ministries. Uh, our friends, close friends in Christ from a town of Zionsville, which is to the west from Indianapolis, Indiana, mm -hmm. they, from the beginning of uh, December, were kept telling us that we needed to come and stay with them. Mm -hmm. So we did not take it seriously until the beginning of January. In the beginning of January, after the several repeated calls or requests to, to come, we started to pray as a family. And I said, Olga and children, you will go if God opened doors and I will stay. So God opened doors and my wife, Olga, and two younger children, they arrived to the United States uh, to our friends, actually where we are now, they're hosting us. Mm -hmm. uh, arrived in like first part of this of January. Right. So I stayed in Ukraine for next uh, thirty days, and uh, after these thirty days, I received calls and request invitations for me to come to. Mm. So it was difficult for me to take this decision, uh, but I prayed. And I said, Lord, if you open doors for me, I will go and join my family. Uh, if not, you know how to make a small detail work for me to stay. Yeah. Uh, I so, But everything worked for me. I talked with my senior pastor, told him about this situation. And at that time, it was still a big threat of war, but everything was peaceful. Mm -hmm. And he let me go. So basically, I arrived to the United States four hours before the war started. Wow. Wow. I know that was hard for you to separate yourself from your family and even to, uh, um, to leave your country in the midst of a, uh, of a threatening war. And uh, I, know that, I know that's got to be difficult, but we all know that uh, God has a plan and he has a reason for uh, you do this, and one of those one, part of that probably is to come over here and help the American people to know uh, how we can reach out to the Ukrainian people and their needs and what's going on and and what happens. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Ukrainian people. How were things before the war? I mean, uh, the American people kind of sees things from a different viewpoint. Is is the, the Ukrainian people? um up in your area is it much different than the way we in america live and uh and and day by day now now understand i'm talking about before the war started oh so what 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 specific thing i would like to mention about the life before the war started that most ukrainians and i think most believers in ukraine did not believe it could happen on such a big and drastic scale mm -hmm. because uh and because i have pretty good relationship with american christians and i know your way of thinking i know your how you like uh you try to think what will happen tomorrow and because we have this information from american intelligence service in our on our news that bad things could happen. Uh, at the same time, it was very difficult for us to believe. 
for different reasons. Some people thought that they have relatives, they have close friends, they had people uh, from the Soviet Union time with whom they have very close relationships. So right. people did not think it will happen. And I'm talking about people I know from my surroundings. So believers, mainly people think thought that maybe something about Crimea, near Crimea, that Russians would like to make a corridor in the east of Ukraine, maybe in Donbass area, and maybe all these troops that surrounded our north, uh, east and south borderlines were just to press on Ukraine, right. uh, try to get control over it, and that's it. But, uh, of course, when the war started on such a level, it was a big shock to everyone. Yeah. So, so a lot of the Ukrainian people have um, relatives in Russia and vice versa? Yes, and a lot of Russians have relatives in Ukraine. Imagine the man who is responsible for bombing our towns and cities has his father living in Ukraine. Mm. So it's the idea, that their idea that our country is full of nationalists, Nazists, mm. and that they need to clean, to deliberate it, and to bring back to the Russia Empire or like the Soviet Union revived. Wow! Wow! I just I just can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. Well, I know you've been in contact with pastors in the Ukraine since the war started, and other people and things of that nature. Tell us about the situation now. What 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 is? How are these same people who were just going about their life in a natural way and and living day by day? How are they doing now? How are they su surviving now? Well, first of all, I have to say that the area that I'm from, it's though it's quite close to Kiev, but right now is a relatively safe situation if we do not count missiles attacks from time to time to our, on our city and some of the villages of Zhitomir region and bombing. Mm -hmm. So, and also the area that we do ministry uh, to the southwest from Zhitomir is, is even more relatively safe mm -hmm. uh, so i have constant uh, contact with my brothers co-pastors so i can share you that uh, there are some unique things happening now things that did not happen before oh in the church ministry so first of all what i found out from co-pastors that uh, you know we have like pretty uh, solid, uh, reliable church building basements. Uh, it's our church in Zhitomir, several churches in the rural area, so they became a very good bomb shelters for the neighbors living around. Right. Right. And you know, I don't know how about uh, how it's here, but in Ukraine, like when you have a Baptist church in this or that town or city, you have people coming to eat from that or this area. But mainly local uh, close neighbors, they are not open to come. And you right. keep asking them several years, many years, they're not open. And you know, it's like now a unique thing that all these close relative, close neighbors are literally spending nights and even some hours during the daytime when there is mm -hmm. a danger mm -hmm. in the basements of the churches. Mm -hmm. So it means that believers could pray together with them 
believers could witness to them, could serve them food. For example, our church kitchen is working all the time and sisters are working there. And also, I know one church in the town that they just not sitting there. Believers and unbelievers in the church basement, they do things for the front line. So they work that? together. They yeah. develop relationship that I'm sure will have many of these people to continue to attend services if God allows in future. So since uh, Zhitomir is on the main way from Kiev to the west and it became like a transportation uh, or like a logistic hub and a lot of believers, especially men uh, from our church and from our region are involved into this transportation ministry. So they basically bring refugee people from the eastern Ukraine to the west and they deliver humanitarian aid to the eastern part of Ukraine, where mm. those that suffered or suffering are suffering mostly from the war. In, uh, and also some of the villages which are close to the west, they are hosting and ministering to refugees. Mm. Uh, for example, we have a teenage camp base in the village area, and right now it's filled with refugee uh, people from the eastern uh, area. Some of them move further to the west. Some of them stayed and live on, on that territory, which allows, again, the local church to have a lot of ministry to do, to help them in their basic needs. And all not only church, right. local, local people from the village, from the community, they brought their food. They share their things. So it's pretty, how to say, uh, remarkable things going on. United, like Ukrainians are helping one another and join, like becoming really like one nation. Amen. Uh, and the last thing, last thing that I heard, like the Sunday service, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, you know, like in our church, we have about up to 200 people. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, right now we have about maybe 60 people left. Most of them, most of the teenagers, ladies, children, they move to the Western countries mm -hmm. where Christian can host them. Mm -hmm. And for example, like on the previous Sunday service, there were 50 people and out of them were 40 men and mm -hmm. 10 women. You know, always had in our churches more ladies but right now, because of this situation, we have mainly men on our church services and three soldiers attended the service. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, I, you know, that's interesting to me that you talk about the fact before the war that there was mostly women. And now you've got a lot of men that are attending, you know, with me being a uh, in men's ministry. I do a lot of work in men's ministry. Uh, uh, Ruslan, and it, it blesses my heart. You know, it's amazing how God will use uh, dire situations, situations that to to uh, reach out and capture uh, certain people. And uh, and apparently through this situation in Ukraine, he he's getting the attention of the men, and and, and that's interesting. Uh, 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 how that how God works with that. You talked like about. To, go ahead. I would like to add one small thing, really quick. So we have two ministers who are drafted and now they are serving in the army but mm. we have 
about three pastors who are in the territorial defense yeah. system. These are helping, patrolling, blog posts. And we have a brother from our local church that we work. It's interesting that he, he is... Uh, he is like not just a member of territorial defense, but as a believer, he is he like is in charge of several blog posts to keep them in discipline. <laughs> so, <laughs> so his task is to come and visit these blog posts and see that these men are acting properly. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. Um, uh, it's it's. Uh... God's got a place for all of us in 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 how to how to reach and minister to each other, especially in times of war. You shared about how the Ukrainian people are helping each other out. Those that are, are still uh, living in somewhat peaceful areas are trying to help out those who are not in so peaceful areas. How can, besides praying, and obviously there's a lot of American believers who are praying for your for the Ukrainian people. And uh, but how can how else can the American people or other people who may be listening to this podcast around the world, how can they help out the Ukrainian people right now? Is there any particular special needs or or things that we can do um, for to to help them out? Now, as you noticed, it's only like it's already one month of war going on right. and uh, uh, Russia, they do not want us to step back. Mm -hmm. They are determined to continue to press on. And the worst thing is that civilians are suffering mostly. Also, they're bombing the food banks. I mean, like places where we, we hold grain mm -hmm. and other things. So it, I think the need of food for now and especially for future mm -hmm. and need in basic things that people need for life like hygiene and so on money for fuel mm -hmm. this is what most of ukrainians uh need right now and we're thankful for every every kind of support we try not to take it as granted so we appreciate right. what people right. do all over the world mm -hmm. and i would like to encourage believers brothers who can hear me that if you know the ways if you know your own channels through your churches through your uh, missions organizations to help to ukraine i would like to encourage you to do it to continue because uh the need will grow because the burden of war that our nation is carrying now is heavy and is getting harder and harder mm. Uh, as for me, as for my ministry and organization, we have a website here in America. It's called Mission to Ukraine Org. Mission to Ukraine is a charitable organization, American charitable organization here in Indiana that does ministry in Ukraine and in particular in Zhitomir. So they are our uh, partners for many years. You can open this website, find donate button, click it. You, you, you can choose options. And in one of the options, you can find IRM Village Ministry, which means International Revival Ministry, Village Ministries. Mm. So it's if God opens your heart to do it, do it so. But we appreciate any kind of prayer and practical help. 
Okay, so they can go out to missiontoukraine.org, yes. and that will help them to understand some of the needs that are in Ukraine, yes. that they yes. can reach out. There will be a list of needs after they click the donate button, and they can choose where the money they want to send. Okay, so they can give money through that that area. That's that that's super to super to understand. I know um, one of the things um, uh, for those of you who are listening audiences out there. Uh, I was spending some time in my quiet time uh, here a couple of weeks ago, uh, and with this heavy on my heart. And and one of the things that uh, God impressed upon me was some, sometimes we talk about being compassionate uh, towards people in need. And when you look at the scriptures, when you when you kind of look at what Jesus and we're told to model Jesus, you know, several times the scriptures were told to, to be an imitator of what he is or who he is. And uh, and when you go back and look at the word compassion uh, in the New Testament, so often you see when Jesus felt compassion, he had an action after that. For instance, when you look at Matthew 15, 32, it says, he said to his disciples, Jesus, I'm talking about, said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And that's where he fed the 5,000. You know, he made sure that they were taken care of. We see in Matthew 14 where Jesus, when he landed uh, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and, and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed the sick. So every time, just about every time you see anything about Jesus having compassion on his people, he took an action to do something for them. And, and we oftentimes talk about having being compassion or having compassion for a situation, and it stops there. And, and so I want to encourage the people who are listening to Ruslan uh, share and, and uh, about what's going on there. Uh, if you talk about having compassion, I want you to be an imitator of Christ and do what Christ did and take an action and do something. Uh, go to go to ukraine.org and, and look at that site and see if there's something there that you can do to, to help out the Ukrainian people. And, uh, and also there's another site. We had uh, Tom Bain on earlier uh, and he was talking about baptistonmission.org. You can go there also and look at the Ukrainian website, click on the Ukrainian relief effort and, and, uh, and give through that organization. There's many organizations that you can help out the Ukrainian people. Ruslan, we're coming up on our time here that we're going to have to kind of close out our stuff, but I want to give you a couple of minutes just to share whatever is on your heart to the people who may be listening uh, out there about the, the war situation and the relief effort for the Ukrainian people. First of all, thank you, Mike. I agree with you 100% that real compassion challenges you to real action. And it's a very special, unique time for our nation and for our country and for believers. Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of believers uh, from Ukraine, they are scattered all over the world and need need their, your prayers as well. But I, in all these in all these events, I 100% convinced of God's greatness. Amen. That God, uh, even allowing these terrible things to happen, and even when we call them somehow punishments or purification, he still shows 
big mercy and grace and he shows us his great deeds and mighty deeds that we can see through what is going on in Ukraine. Yeah. So I I still believe that uh, God will show himself, that he will arise, that he will say his final word, that could be a good revival out of this difficult situation. But my sincere, sincere prayer and desire that God will not be late, that he in his good timing step in Yep. and do something great for his glory and for our salvation, our rescue, using Amen. every kind of instrument he can use for his sovereign will. Amen. Amen. People who know me know that I quote Romans 8.28 quite often, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that means good and bad things. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes we see the bad things, that's the bad things. But if you're but if you're a believer in God, he uses those things for his good will to bring glory to his name. And we just have to trust in him. We have to do what the scripture says about trusting the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding but acknowledge him in all our ways and he will set our path straight. And, uh, and so Ruslan, I, 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 I thank you for taking time to be with us today. I pray for you and for your family, Olga and your children and for the people of Ukraine. And I pray that you are able to get back to your country and very, very shortly. So you can, you can minister there where your heart is at. I know that for sure. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone who listened to this podcast. Great. Well, that's it for Intentional Conversations with Mike Salen. I pray that you will go out to Ukraine, uh, to, um, excuse me, to missiontoukraine.org and see what you can do with uh, help out and show your compassion through action and, or go to baptismalmission.org and click on the uh, Ukraine relief effort. Uh, you can do it that way, too. And uh, so, uh, Ruslan, we'll be praying for you and your people of Ukraine. And thank you for joining us. And for those of you that are listening, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, will give you a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. God bless you. And we'll see you the next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry coalition. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your church, or if you want to know more about what we discuss with these programs, go to capefearmen.net. If you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Sandlin.